0: Welcome to today's Pro-AV Podcast, brought to you by Market Scale. I'm Sean Heath. I am fortunate enough today to be speaking with David Kung, the Vice President of Product Strategy for Oblong. David, how are you doing today? Uh,
1: doing really well. Thank
0: you very much for having us. Now, how long have you been with Oblong?
1: I've been with Oblong uh, since uh, 2012. So, uh, oh, geez, what year is it? Uh, so it's been a few years now, but i uh, very excited to, have, uh, to, be, to be working with an amazing group of individuals.
0: Now, at this point in a normal interview, I would say, David, tell me a little bit about your background. However, I don't want to do that because I think you'll leave out the coolest part. You were the vice president and creative director at Walt Disney Parks and Resorts Online. Very cool. I love Walt Disney. You worked at Creative Artists Agency, working in emerging technology. You also were a Disney Imagineer. That list of career steps leads me to believe that you are not only a person who thinks outside the box. You probably don't really believe there is a box. Tell me a little bit about your path and how your journey sort of led you to Oblong. Yeah. Well, I think
1: first off, I was just very lucky and very, very, you know, fortunate to uh, to have those opportunities to work in such a wide diversity of places. But I think the common thread across everything I did leading up to Imagineering and to CAA and to Disney and now here at Oblock is, you know, at an early age, I think it goes back to, you know, 1977 and, and watching Star Wars is, you know, this love for technology and storytelling and trying to bring those two worlds together you know so at, at Disney Imagineering we we're doing enhanced TV kind of doing uh, early versions of kind of web experiences synchronized to television broadcasts as a way to kind of bridge that storytelling experience you know then at CAA it was you know kind of I thought it was my opportunity to you know enter the matrix and try to bring the worlds of entertainment and technology uh, together but within sort of the uh, you know media entertainment industrial complex of, of Hollywood and then, of course, a return to Disney, you know, very much all about, you know, the storytelling, not only of the theme parks, but, you know, the stories that families build for each other and how we can enable that. And here at Oblong, in a whole new way is, you know, how can we really create new ways of letting people not just interact with computers, because that's really just a tool to enable better ways in which we interact with each other and how we can become better storytellers.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because you bring up Star Wars. And when I think of Star Wars, one of the most fascinating parts of that whole series for me, is the interaction between the humans and droids and how they come up with a shared factor or a shared language a sort of understanding of how they communicate. And that really was an extension of human machine interface through a language. But at Oblong, you guys are really focused on improving the human machine interface or HMI, but really that's pointless if you can't find a good use for it. And I think you guys have come up with something cool and you're calling it mezzanine. Can you tell me a little? Little bit about that.
1: Sure. Uh, so mezzanine is our core product. It's what, you know, analysts uh, might call uh, an immersive team collaboration system or immersive visual collaboration. But what it's really rooted in is that, you know, if you think about a traditional medium, right, a place where we're all expected to collaborate, a place where we're all expected to share, we haven't really moved the needle since the days of Don Draper waxing poetic over, a, you know, a Kodak slide carousel. It, these are rooms purpose-built for a single person telling a single story, right, with a single device. So if you just take sort of that word single, right? Single person, single device, single presentation, single screen, and just, you know, hit command G on your computer and do a find and replace and insert multiple instead of singular. Now think of an environment where you can collaborate where it's about multiple individuals being able to share multiple devices across multiple screens. And part of what we do with mezzanine is in a way it takes us back to analog roots. Like before technology, if you had to solve a problem, what did you do? Everyone got into a room and they they threw all the stuff onto the table. It's like Apollo 13, they dump everything on the table. That table is a common operating picture that's accessible to everyone in the room that gives people a sense of exactly what the state of the problem is. And with Mezzanine, we do that. We let people come in, bring their devices in, share those devices, they can upload content and all that content is free to flow, not just across one screen or one large display wall, but really across any surface in the environment. So you can truly immerse yourself in pixels, but in a way that doesn't require you to put a bunch of goggles over everyone's face.
0: So you found a way to take the traditional one presenter and everyone else is an audience, and you found a way to turn everyone in that room to a collaborator or to a presenter all at the same time.
1: Yeah, very much so. I mean, kind of the way we sometimes describe it is anywhere you can hang a screen, anywhere you can project a pixel, that's a location where work can get done. And it's a very different way of thinking about how people can come together and share visual information and work together.
0: A lot of this is dependent on this quantum leap Moore's law of accelerating technology adaptive zoom camera technology which is made it possible by the advances in camera processing speed and lenses and 360 degree cameras and stereo sound solutions for the entire setting of the room this mezzanine sounds like it is a completely immersive collaborative environment
1: yeah exactly Yeah,
0: very well said. You mentioned Star Wars. I enjoy Star Wars quite a bit. I'm also a bit of a Star Trek fan. The one thing I didn't notice in any photos, and I looked through your entire website, I did not see a molecular food duplicator, so I'm assuming somebody still has to physically bring bagels.
1: Yes, yes. Bagels, snacks, uh, those are essential items for any uh, high-performing development shop.
0: Looking at the list of basically geniuses that are at your company, there are an awful lot of PhDs, there are an awful lot of MIT grads floating around that place. Somebody's working on that already, aren't they? You can tell me.
1: Oh, uh, I would have to, yeah. I can neither confirm nor deny.
0: That is an acceptable. So you're taking the concept of large ideas and providing a way to actually handle them in smaller spaces, which seems to fit this industry trend of smaller conference rooms and trying to increase efficiency while reducing size.
1: Yeah. So a good way to think about it is going back to the analogy of going from the framework of going from singular to to multiple. If you just think about a standard meeting room and the bandwidth of, of information. Now, most people think of bandwidth in terms of how fat is data pipe. But if you think about the bandwidth of visual information that's being communicated, there's a huge bottleneck, which is how much information can you convey through a single screen? How much information can you convey if that single screen can only show one source of content? And so oftentimes when we you know speak with customers or we talk to CIOs, they're laser focused on we need to accelerate the flow of information across our enterprise because that creates sustainable competitive advantage. Now, oftentimes people don't think about the flow of visual information because we're people, we're wetware, we're in meat space. How do we largely consume information, right? It's through our eyes. And so you have to think about the throughput of visual information. And so the core thing that we're doing in big rooms as well as small rooms is open up that aperture, get you more throughput of visual information where you might have a, a small huddle room that might be say 10 by 10 or even eight by eight. Well, why limit your throughput of information into that room through a single screen? Why limit the throughput of what can be communicated through that screen through a single input? If you remove those barriers, right, it's like making the quantum leap that we made from dial up to broadband.
0: I want to point out that on Oblong's website, under the company tab, there is a story that the BBC did, specifically Spencer Kelly at BBC Click, that really puts this into just technicolor. It is absolutely astounding watching that. And so I will direct everyone that is listening to this, not now, everybody slow down. When we're done, then you can all go to oblong.com and I would highly recommend that you watch that small piece that Spencer Kelly did. As I said, You're finding a way to compress these collaborations into smaller spaces, but it's a smaller physical space, not a smaller mind space. But you've also incorporated the ability to bring remote participants. I'm not talking about in another room. I'm talking about in another state and another part of the planet. You can actually bring them into that workspace remotely through something you're calling infopresence.
1: Yeah, so infopresence is really a, you know, we call it the experience of being able to share and be immersed in your content. And what we're trying to solve for is today every meeting has at least one person who's remote, right? And often that person is very much treated as a second or third class citizen within that collaboration setting. And why is that? It's because there's technical limitations where they can't see what's happening in the room. They might be able to see what the laptop that's being shared, but they don't really get a sense of presence in that room. Also, they have very little ability to impact, uh, you know, what people see in that room outside of they can share their screen. So what we're trying to do is that asymmetry, right, between what a remoter can do and what the people in the room can do is an inhibitor to collaboration. You know, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. So you can have a very high-end, most amazing, you know, meeting space, but the second you're having a remoter being a participant, if you think about the collaborative potential of that collaboration session, it's gonna be limited by the capabilities of the remoters outside of the room. So if we can give those remoters more power, if we can make them first class citizens in those collaboration, well now you've just raised the collaborative potential of everyone who's participating in that meeting. So the way we do that is you can be a remoter, you get a link, you click on it, opens up your browser, and now you can see exactly what people are seeing on the screens in the room, across those one, two, three, six or so, even more screens. So now you can see exactly what everyone else is looking at. In addition, you can also share your screen and participate and upload content. And you can even control and orchestrate what's happening across those screens. So now you have all the capabilities as someone in the room. And as a result, everyone benefits from people being engaged. Everyone benefits from being able to see the same things in the same way.
0: So you have effectively discovered a way to shrink the actual planet, metaphorically speaking.
1: Yeah, we're, we're bringing teams closer together. It's all about helping people build. You know, it's about building empathy and trust, right? That, that whole notion of get everyone to see the same things, right? That means get that a shared knowledge base. Step two, you want to generate empathy. You want to make sure everyone is seeing the same things in the same way. And then the last step is trust. Now, once you have that understanding, a common trust among everyone that they understand the problem and the right way to attack it. And that's ultimately, I think the main reason why we have meetings is to deal with those situations, to deal with those business challenges.
0: You know, originally, when we first started talking i was envisioning this as more of a turnkey solution but i was completely wrong this seems what appears to be infinite scalability it seems like this is literally a bespoke solution it's a customizable solution for any company doesn't matter how big or how small you can find a way for them to utilize this
1: oh absolutely well mezzanine absolutely is a turnkey solution but how you as an enterprise choose to bring it into your enterprise is actually scale across a wide variety of use cases some folks love it as customer engagement or executive briefing centers basically using mezzanine just as the most exciting and engaging display wall experience you'll ever have other folks are all about in-room collaboration let's get these people let them all share the devices share the screens whether it's budgets timelines requirements all that stuff you know project plans they can do that for others it's all about distributed collaboration whether that's room to room room to remoter or all of the above but it's all about how can we let people share more information, tell better stories, engage with each other, interact with each other in the most organic means possible? You know, understanding full will that's facilitated through technology, you know, a hybrid of video conferencing with cutting edge AV and IT. Before
0: I let you go, I should have given this disclaimer earlier. When people go, which they will in droves, to oblong.com, they go and look at the video clip that I referenced to earlier, they are going to be struck by a momentary wave of fear that Minority Report has actually come true. Let me just clarify, your CEO, John Underkoffler, was the science advisor to the Minority Report, also to Iron Man. So when you see the great heads-up displays, I wonder if John sees the world like that. I don't know if it's
1: about seeing the world in that way. I think what he saw was that we were stuck, that uh, in terms of computer human interface, we really hadn't progressed much since the command line. And as much as browsers are great, as much as mobile technology is amazing, the fundamental nature of how we interact with computers has really been limiting. You're sort of hunched over with carpal tunnel over a single screen, but how do we react? How do we interact in the real world? We interact through gesture, we interact through architecture, we interact through space. And so I think what he saw was really about computing should be like the real world. Computing should be like the natural world. Uh, and, it, and it shouldn't be about interacting with a screen right in front of you. And so in many ways, I think with Minority Report, it was, it's the UI of Minority Report is here today.
0: That's absolutely astounding in such a short amount of time that that got here before flying cars.
1: Well, it's sort of the the, the joke we kind of make is that, you know, when Minority Report first came out, everyone was like, oh, my God this. is so futuristic. This is crazy. But what's happening is that we are advancing so quickly with what we're doing here at Aubon that, you know, the reality is the kind of technology that you see in Minority Report will become so ubiquitous, so accessible, you know, and and so inexpensive that yes, any federal agency can now fully deploy it.
0: That is not exactly the comforting answer that I expected to get from you, David, but I will take that and I will move on. So I really just have one more question and then I'm going to let you get back to doing something else amazing. Can you build me a Star Trek holodeck?
1: We can come pretty close, you know, whether it's the holodeck or stellar cartography. Now, granted, I think probably VR is the best way to do it, but if you think about the holodeck as an environment where we could totally immerse you in a virtual experience visually, and yet your interaction through it is in the real world, right, physically, then I think we're we're getting close to that. Like, you mentioned the BBC Click video. When you walk into that, that room and you're surrounded by pixels, it's not unlike, you know, stellar our cartography or, you know, even the holodeck. So we're getting close.
0: That sounds like a definite maybe. And I'm going to end with that before you have a chance to change your mind. It has been a pleasure today. I've had the opportunity to talk with David Kung, Vice President of Product Strategy for Oblong Industries, and you can find more information and some absolutely mind-blowing video clips. Go to their webpage. It's www.oblong.com. David, thanks so much for taking the time for me today. I really do appreciate it. And I look forward to talking to you again down the road. Thank you very
1: much.